the Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times... <laughs> <laughs> you were uh, almost there. Man. I was almost there. And other times giving ourselves the opportunity to watch the terrible taste failure from our mouths. I am one of your co-hosts, Carlos Cooper, and with me as always, Joe. Dave Gurney. Joe Hilliard. And we are here to do the unthinkable uh drink a beer or the totally drinkable. The unthinkable and the totally drinkable. Uh you're right over my hard drives, Joe. It's, um, it's like a stunt. He's like the David Blaine of beer pouring. He's going to yeah, do it is. right over your hard drives, pour it right onto it, and then somehow they miraculously remain completely dry. Not I almost had a computer spill. fucking fiasco today. Like the like printer, whatever govern, whatever part of my CPU makes the printer work, like the drivers and all that kind of stuff, uh-huh. shit its fucking pants today. Ooh. And I... Couldn't print anything. I every time I did anything that involved printing, I got the spinny wheel, uh, and I thought I was like, my computer's done. I'm gonna have to buy a new computer. I have to record the podcast tonight. What the fuck am I gonna do? <laughs> and then uh, I got I got on the phone with Apple support, and they're like, oh, well, you have you have a vintage model. And Ooh. I bought my computer in 2015, and I was like, vintage, vintage, bitch. No, I don't have the clear, colored, fucking desktop <laughs> one. Like, that's yeah. vintage. The iMac, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, I was tripping. Oh, man. Planned obsolescence. It's a thing. <laughs> no, it's, it's a thing. You know, over the course of the last couple of weeks, a very important thing has occurred in America. America, the, the beautiful America, the land of the free. And that is Home that tonight... We can commemorate, we can pull our list out and check off one last box, because, ladies and gentlemen, we, are, we have successfully researched the amber waves of grain. From sea to shining sea, tonight we drink the last... America. Purple Mountain Majesties. Yes. America. If it was called that, this whole all would have worked together. Because when the mountains turn blue... We learned that recently they started carrying a beer from Wyoming at our local liquor store. And we quickly ran to grab it so that we store. could check off the final box, ladies, uh, boys. Yes. We have drank one beer and many more from every state of this year. We have done it. I was the simple delivery boy this go around. Isn't it interesting that we talked so much about how it was difficult to find these beers from these yeah. last two states, and then ironically, it turns out that we get it right, right in time. Shout out to right Harold for putting us on game. Who is asterisk and footnoted for the rest of beer in a movie history? It is Melvin Brewing, and they are out of Alpine, uh, Alpine, Wyoming, and we are enjoying their Jesus. Mexican style lager, a uh, mix of the canark of the Greek god Zeus and Mexican folklore. It's spelled Hey Zeus, like Hello Zeus. Yeah. Right. Like, Hey Zeus, what you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, bada bing, bada boom, what's yeah. going on? It's a Mexican style lager. They don't tend to hit you over the head with ABV. This one's coming in at 5.0. That's absolutely right. The, the mm-hmm. part of the point with a Mexican lager is you keep it nice and light and crisp. And you can drink this thing all day, right? And I think they yeah. sell it. This is a sessionable, right? They want you to know 
You could be drinking this all day in your backyard, beating the heat. You're not going to suffer too much. Mexican lager is one of those if, like elusive styles. Yeah. Because it's not, I don't think, ever technically defined. It's become more of a marketing thing more than anything else. Uh, your a Mexican lager, the ones that we know the most, your Coronas, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, don't I mean? I mean, they certainly have a similarity when you drink a Corona next to a Modelo next to a Pacifico. Mm-hmm. They're going for something. Yeah, uh, and I I did just a little research into it to to verify something that I thought that I knew, and that is that they were originally made when a style was born, so to speak, with with a corn additive. Yes. And, um, but, but this can, to my chagrin, does not talk about the brewing method at all. I'm sure I could have looked that up, but. Yeah. I mean. How much is there to talk about? It's a Mexican lager. Oh, no, no, yeah. I, I mean, believe well, me, it's not a rabbit hole that I'm di- inviting us to dive into. I'm just. No, you're right. But, lo- but lagers are notoriously harder to pull off than ales. Mm-hmm. And so a brewery. Less of- to hide. Yes, absolutely. It's all less, on display. Less room to hide. It's right yeah. there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, off flavors, they're going to be right front yeah. and center. So, to me, when a brewery of that kind of middle to small size, which I'm assuming Melvin is, if they're just getting into our market now and starting to go nationwide, to me, that's super impressive. If they can nail it, so so I'm excited to try this. I I kind of dig the can art. Uh-huh. I, I was I was on the fence a little bit when I first saw it. I'm like, are they kind of just I mean, is this one of those cheap, like, uh, hey, Cinco de Drinko, buddies, come down to the pub? I don't think they're taking that exactly. I like that they're mixing in the uh, Greek mythology Mm -hmm. piece, and they're being playful with the Jesus. I I like to go to the website, especially when I bring the peer to the party, do a little bit of research, and uh, two things of note. Number one, their slogan above their the name of the brewery, Breaking Down Walls, you can tell that they are trying to be a little more aggressive on the experimental edge of craft brewing. Okay. The second thing is, it's the first time I've ever seen, and maybe you guys have seen it before, a brewery that purposefully made a Spotify playlist that is available on their website to accompany the drinking of the beer we hold in our hands. Uh, The only uh, business I know dedicated enough to, on a regular basis, create playlists to accompany certain items they're putting out for sale would be the Hybrid Record Club. I'm a member of their uh, monthly record club. Here we go. You you are too? And those playlists, you got to listen to them, man. Those are some hot stuff. Yeah. Yeah, There's like three people that listen to them. And they're good. Of the 32. At least one of them is in this room, possibly two. That's right. That's right. Well, anyway, we're we're going down rabbit holes here, folks. But this is exciting. Joe has just brought us to, Uh, and we didn't get that much past twenty twenty. I know we were aiming for twenty twenty, but given the pandemic, given us, yeah, come on, we didn't even get out of January before we had this. It's the pandemic. We make our own rules. I say it's still twenty twenty as per the requirements of our goal. We haven't named our twenty twenty favorite movies, and we're still watching movies from twenty twenty. This this is true. And I'm so it excited counts, to talk it. about a the, movie, the yeah. movie that we're about to talk about. Uh, yeah. This one kind of came out of nowhere in the Oscar talk. Mm. But one of us said to the others, hey, this one night in Miami is getting a lot of Oscar talk right now. Yep. So let's do it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, it's, it, it, I, as soon as I heard about it, the concept struck me as interesting, but I had not been aware. It, it was a successful stage play, so I'm curious. Yeah. I feel like we're going to have to go back yeah, I think to our conversation to. about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom just a few weeks back 
Um, more than one similarity between the two films. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I had not been hearing about it in the lead up. I didn't yeah. wasn't familiar familiar with the play. But the concept of these four huge luminary figures from the civil rights era be, on the precipice, kind of, you know, right, right in this moment where things are getting really mm-hmm. incredible. And a particular moment in one of their careers, this is, you know, Muhammad Ali, well, as he's making the transition to that very name, right. Muhammad mm-hmm. Ali, um, Cassius Clay, actually. Yeah. And so that, that intrigues me. Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, has always been one of those figures that, as much as I'm not a sports guy, I'm always intrigued yeah. about because he was... Even in my lifetime of, you know, the 1980s, he was still this kind of larger than sure. life guy when he showed up on TV. I mean, same from, I mean. You were feeling it in the 90s and the oh, 2000s? God. I mean, he wasn't necessarily making like, I guess, TV appearances at the time yeah. necessarily, but um, he was definitely this like, like kind of, not looming because that's a little more ominous, but this like ever present yeah. figure of like pop this culture. Elevated, and it's just yeah. like he, he is an icon. Yeah. yeah this, uh, he's a Michael Jackson level icon. Yeah. Uh, if you consider that time period. Yeah. And, and, and I guess also part of that for me too is that, it, you know, I was starting to pay more attention to like what was coming out, what movies were coming out in like what was that 2003 mm-hmm. when will smith was nominated for the oscar for yep. his portrayal yep. for, of, of muhammad ali Michael so that Mann's was also ali, a, yeah. uh, a big deal as well um and i remember really wanting to see it and yeah my um, parents would not let me because there was a sex scene in it. but oh, mom boy. and dad big willie style big willie style on. is all no. in it mom <laughs> let me get jiggy with it she's like they were just right. wait for hitch it's coming along in a few years you'll have hitch yeah uh so anyway, as soon as this was put out yeah, there, you've really, gotten to one should, of four of them. We should summarize a <laughs> right. little bit, right? So the basic concept, one, one Night in Miami, is that you have Cassius Clay and a huge fight with Sonny Liston. Where had he, a heavyweight title. Where he first yeah. takes the title, right? right? Yeah. So this big moment in his career where he's about to adopt the uh, Nation of Islam teachings as his own belief system and rename himself in, in light of that. So his spiritual advisor, Malcolm X, is there, of course, um, you know, staying in a hotel nearby. They also have Sam Cooke, the very successful uh, musician, there with them. And then Jim Brown, who at the time is a huge star in the NFL, but is about to make a transition into being more of a screen actor, which we all know he did become, especially through the 70s black exploitation era and a lot of action films after. So, so you have this night where all these four figures are around. Cassius Clay has had this huge moment in his career, and he's deciding. He's like, he's confident, and he's not, and it's him waffling back and forth. And then the surrounding conversations about what is the next step for these guys? What roles do they play in the culture? It's a very, I mean, it's a... It's a high concept film in a certain way. It's like, let's take four of the biggest icons of an era, put them together and see what happens. But then it gets really, I think, through the conversation and everything into some more philosophical areas sure. um, pretty quickly. I mean, it's kind of factually known that the four of them were in Miami yep. th- that night. Mm-hmm. And that um, you know, and the, the film takes some liberties as you ex- expect it to with any kind of historical notion. I mean, like, like the things that are factual about the film. It I, I kind of looked all this up. I was really curious. Um, in the film, at the end, the next day, 
when Muhammad Ali is finally found by the press uh, and he makes the announcement that his um, that he's joining na- uh, the Nation of Islam and is changing his name. Mm-hmm. That actually happened a few days later. So they were, you know, telescoping, compacting to make it cinematic. Um, Absolutely right. I, I just want to start by saying that, I mean, we have had a very enjoyable run over the last several weeks of thematically similar films with uh, the small axe films that we watched, yeah. the um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, this. It, there is a beautiful, I think, like fantastic amount of films coming out right now about the black experience that have been very, very enjoyable to watch. And this one is no, is, it makes that list. This movie was very, very enjoyable to watch. Did you, uh, how did you, how did you feel about its stage play adaptionness? I, I knew it was going to come up because about halfway through, rather than a quarter of the way through, I was like, God, this has to be a play. It has to be a play <laughs> See, I, that they're basing it on. But it, it wasn't as distractingly obvious throughout the way it was with, for me, with Ma Rainey. About halfway through, I, I knew it was a play going in. Mm-hmm. And about halfway through, I was like, this is how you do this. Oh, like yeah, this it, is how you adapt a play. Mm-hmm. Is by doing it this way. Like this is a very good version of like a way because there's a lot of locations. Yeah, you know, uh, even even something as simple as taking Malcolm outside to the car and then to the phone booth yep. and then keeping the guys in the hotel room and then having mm-hmm. them go. I mean, it's just which the you can movement do, which you can do film. in a play. You can do on stage, but you have to be a little bit more uh, creative with the lighting and the way that you set things up. And all yeah. that. It, it's a more challenging play to stage probably than Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is. But that lends itself to the screen a little better because you are in more distinct locales at different points. It's not all two rooms. Well, it but doesn't you, feel that you were the one that brought it up in Ma Rainey, and I, let's not go too deep here, but you sure. that... Um, that that the intent of that piece was to keep it as theatrically. I think that was. I, you're right. I think yeah. they were almost trying. And, and to here, keep it. Regina King, the director, and that's important for a couple of reasons. Number one, she appears as a cameo as Sonny Liston's wife mm-hmm. when uh, he wins the heavyweight championship. Uh, Ali. I didn't notice that. Give him the list and punch, baby. <laughs> I mean, I saw. I, I, I just. I anyway, she is the director of this film. This is her directorial debut. The second film that we'll talk about tonight. She won the Academy Award for right. as, as an actress. Dang, I did not. I did not remember that. Um, she does a fantastic job with the very thing that we're discussing yeah. now: the adaptation to film of a theatrical work. Mm-hmm. And I. <laughs> It is difficult to get out of your head sometimes for the purposes of this show when I'm watching a movie. I want to stay out of my head and say, Joe, analyze the theatrical adaptation of this at a Joe, later time. Analyze this. So, <laughs> no, Joe, analyze that. Right. Analyze D's, the, unma- the uh, unmade oh, third she, of the she trilogy. Ha- she has uh, directed a lot of TV, though. Yeah, I'm she has. She's saying, cut her TV. Yeah, for, first feature uh, film, but yeah. I feel like I'm rambling. See, someone take no, the ball you, and run with it. So I, I think you're right. I think the, the material itself probably lent itself a little bit better to being adapted mm-hmm. in a more cinematic way. I think also 
the nature of the relationships between the characters here sure. and what they're talking about, it, there's absolutely thematic overlap, mm-hmm. but it's also pretty distinct. And these are such over, well, especially Ali. Uh, well, I, I say Ali, play Ali. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think to a certain extent, Jim Brown, is, as he's characterized here, who they have these like really defined personalities, these kind of brashes, although they are in this moment where they're making these decisions that are going to be kind of life-altering. And right. we know what the outcome is, but right. they're still kind of muddling through what it's right. going to be. And so hearing them, I don't know, the nature of the conversations, because I knew these characters so well, mm-hmm. it, at least I feel I know them well through popular culture, was all the more engrossing. Ma Rainey, it's like, it's more an excavation for me of going sure. back to this period that I don't know as well right. and I'm curious about and I think it's fascinating. This is one that is still recent enough and I grew up with people who revered these guys yeah. in the way that I think a lot of folks did who came up in the 50s and 60s and you see somebody like Clay come out and just do something that nobody thought was possible and, and become dominant in this sport and take some stances that really defined him as this, re- you know, like one of the true um, unwavering voices. I mean, he took stands that cost him huge, right. huge amounts. I right. mean, and his career was... On, central yeah. tenets of the movie right. is Malcolm X being pretty fairly critical of Sam Cooke, who we watch is in a phase of his career when he has decided that it is more profitable to bring my product into a white audience, make it palatable for a white audience, mm-hmm. Malcolm X position being the opposite. Right. Um, no, it is every African-American, every black man struggle, sorry, responsibility when they retain a level of power to advance their people with that power. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was brilliant. Again, one of the reasons why I looked this up. Did this conversation actually happen? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it describes it in this when you read the synopsis mm-hmm. as a fictional account. Right. Uh, so in this hotel room in the segregated part of town, uh, Sam Cook comes into the to the motel room, not hotel, motel, uh, important designation, and says, "What a dump!" Yeah. Because Sam Cook wants to live. Uh, it is presented that Sam Cooke wants to live a lifestyle of buying his way into yeah. white acceptance in the fanciest, nay, white, whitest right. hotel in town. Mm-hmm. So Malcolm X says, no, I, I listen to music, and he pulls <laughs> Blowing in the Wind on vinyl out of his satchel and plays it, making the point him. that this white boy from Minnesota is doing more for our cause, protest songs. Who the fuck knew Bob that, Dylan than, was from Minnesota? Really? Didn't know that. Oh, see, I, I never I'm once... married to a woman who grew up in Minnesota. Really? And, yeah, yeah, and her dad still lives there. I mean, mm. and her last name was Zimmerman. So, <laughs> you really Aaron's not... last name was Zimmerman? <laughs> yeah, her maiden name, yeah. Oh, so, shit. Yeah. But I, if we wanted to bite oh, a little deeper I'm into the... Into we the, just went uh, so no, far. To, but <laughs> I mean, but the point just... is, uh, that's why I find it strange. Like, of course everybody knows Dylan was from Minnesota. It yeah. has it never once that. occurred to me to even think about where he was from. He yeah. just is... He well, just, that's true. He yeah. just and he's, and he's very connected to New York. I think yeah. of him as very connected to the New York folk scene that we covered on episode... You'll put Inside it in later. Davis, Inside yeah. Lou Davis. Uh, I couldn't get past the actor... Uh, oh, which one? I uh, thought performances King, were pretty good here. Kingsley Benadire. Oh, really? Uh, who did? Uh, who played Cassius? 
No, no Malcolm. you played Malcolm. So, you didn't uh, like you. you were I didn't put say off I didn't like him. him. Okay. He plays Mac in the High Fidelity series, mm-hmm. uh, Rob's ex. Yes. And I just kept seeing him. <laughs> I didn't oh, even okay. I, I mean, I recognized him, but it didn't bother me. The glasses yeah. helped, I the think. The glasses did help. And I didn't, I mean, I thought he was pretty good, but that's the only thing I've seen him in. It's, huh. I haven't seen the OA. I haven't seen yeah, Deep seen State. I haven't seen the any of the other stuff he's been in. First of all, it's bullshit that on his IMDb it does not list High Fidelity as a credit. Uh, it does Fuck you. Are you uh, kidding? Whoever edits this Wikipedia page. It's, uh, it's a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy. But Wait, IMDb or Wikipedia? Wikipedia doesn't okay, have it. Okay. IMDb has it. But, well, um, it's your job to add to Wikipedia. It's the that's, true, that's, true, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. It took me a sec. I mean, I did get over it eventually, uh, but I think because he, in most of his other roles, he has a beard, uh, and he's pretty clean shaven as Malcolm, yeah. as because you know being Malcolm being a pretty clean shaven guy, yeah. uh, he looks so young and he looks so much skinnier, and mm. uh, I, I, I don't know, I. I guess like the fictitious versions of Malcolm that I'm used to seeing is Denzel, who is a little more square jawed and a little That's more like a, like kind of um, Although authoritative. I think, I think of the two, Kingsley Benadir looks more like he Malcolm does. I he does look more like Denzel. the actual Malcolm yeah. X, yeah. Uh, but it's Denzel. Uh, the guy that played Cassius Clay was great. He was uh, really, I really good. Uh, I thought he was really fantastic. To bring the energy yeah. to do that is crazy. The yeah, the yeah. dialogue that was written that was the thing that was kind of blowing my mind. It's like it's a very the, Good script. Imagining lines that Cassius Clay would have said, a guy who was notoriously good at like coining fr- or just yeah. like coming up with these. Man, I'm so of- pretty. Yeah. Well, and the, the whole like the little thing he goes off on in there about where he's imagining who who are the fighters, Marciano and somebody else, like two yeah. of the like, why couldn't we be that good when we were young? You know, like yeah, yeah, these yeah, imagined yeah. scenarios. It was just he's very good. It was very funny. Mm-hmm. And captivating in the way that some of those interviews with Cassius Clay or Muhammad Ali were when I've seen clips of them on TV. No, I, you know, if if the point is to nail an impersonation, he did that. But it was more than good. That. Okay, yeah, I was yeah, I was, was going to say, say I think no, it goes no, beyond no, that. I, I'm I'm impressed now, with every actor in this in this ensemble. Now the guy who played Carson nailed the impersonation. The Johnny Carson guy was very good. <laughs> yeah, no, looks He's, wise, not but the voice was the there. voice. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, had yeah. it. He had it spot. That was another thing I wanted to look up. You're referring to when Sam Cooke, after this night in Miami, after he has been challenged about Mm -hmm. his responsibility in playing a larger part in in what Malcolm X, of course, calls a revolution, but what others might call the civil rights movement, etc. That happened. Yeah. And that um, recording is lost. Uh, the Tonight Show recording. He oh, debuted the song is on that the Tonight right? Show. See, I didn't know. But I that didn't is check a lost, the record that. is a lost recording, Ooh, according to according to Wikipedia. But you know, Carlos well, hadn't been there to refresh the page. Uh, it wasn't uh, Wikipedia. I feel like we uh, would have seen that clip a hundred times if it existed. Sure, yeah, sure. And again, that's, and the, the casting of Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke is pretty mm-hmm. good too. Because I mean, obviously the guy can fucking sing, right. you know, and he does a pretty good job at it. I mean, I I don't know. I don't. He's not my like favorite presence uh but i got used to him after a while and you know with the exception of his portrayal of mc ren and straight out of compton i haven't really seen aldous hodge in a lot of things um he was in hidden figures which i didn't see or as was it travolta that said hidden fences at the oscars (laughs) Uh, yes it was uh, (laughs) wait no was it he was the one who said adele dazim he fucked up her name yeah so he's done two since someone said (laughs) hidden fences you're right it was travolta um 
but but he was very good. Uh, also, apparently, the Bo Bridges character—it's uh, oh. a real guy. I know. I I did I did read that. I read that that was <laughs> yeah. based on an actual guy who Jim Brown dealt with. Fuck in his that hometown. dude! Like, like a friend, a friend of the family. Yes, he goes home for the he oh goes home for a visit. Uh, visits this white genteel uh, hospitable estate. Let me shake your hand. Yeah, you yeah. are a pride and joy. And then when Jim Brown goes to try to help him move a piece of furniture inside the house, he just says matter of factly, whoa, whoa, we don't allow nin- inwards in the house. Yeah. And Jim Brown, you know, grins, mm-hmm. gets on with his life. And yeah. that's a motivational device for his point of view as we enter into the film. That was a very powerful In our scene. point of view, it helps. Yeah. It's like it sets the baseline. Sure. For in the film, this is the way so it was yes. this in is... certain parts of the country back then. Yeah, this show was crazy. Yeah. I mean, even watching the him people, fawn over him. Yes, even yeah. the people who love you look at you as, as something sub- subhuman. Yeah. You are not like they look at you like you're a pet that's not even a good pet because they won't let you in the house. Yeah, the dog can oh. go inside. By the way, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so again, we it does. St- but you're right. It does set up the context of the world they sure. live in very well. Sure. And yeah. Sam Cooke's context is, is, I thought, was multi-layered. Yeah. Because when he gets criticism of your, you know, you're just shucking and jiving for the white folks at the Copacabana who are rejecting you. Yeah. His yeah, response that, that is. Rough. His response is. Wait a second! I've created a label, and I am putting black artists, yeah. and I'm creating careers, and I'm da, 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 and he's not wrong. That's, oh no, he's fucking right about it. you. Got to own that publishing. Yeah, and that was yeah. a great. I thought there's so many little pieces and vignettes well, here. But, that, well, it, Sam Cooke is such. It's I mean, like a tragic figure, mm-hmm. and, kind of and, a dick, right? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, he wasn't a perfect guy, but he what an amazing songwriter. Yeah, and the voice. I mean. So I get it. Yeah, like as, as a human being. Well, you said tragic figure. He, but died, tragic he died before his time. And that he seemed to be having an awakening, right? I yeah. mean, like th- this film kind of dramatizes mm-hmm. it. But the reality is he did write A Change Is Gonna Come, which is an incredibly powerful song that, you know, the one he debuts on Carson that you're talking about. But that was like, that was his last song because he died. I mean, he, and, and under terrible circumstances mm-hmm. yeah. where race was a huge factor. It's just... Again, like he is one of those figures from that time period that to me has always kind of sent because you hear these songs that he, you know, when he had his incredible run of hits and you're like, talk about a run. Yeah. These are some of the most indelibly good songs that you're ever going to hear. Yeah. Four four icons in the room. People are still trying to rip him off to this day. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You got, you got Leon Bridges doing a whole career off of Sam Cooke impersonation. Hey, and more power to him. I, I, Mm. (laughs) hey, for At least those. change something. <laughs> Got a theme going on. I, I can okay, so verdict, that. verdict. I, I, hmm, I liked this movie and have recommended it many, many times since seeing it. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I think that it is a powerful film. I think it's an entertaining film. If if you know something of the time period, I mean, you have to be, I think, invested in these characters and what they're going through. But that's not a hard place to get i think pretty quickly and i would be curious to talk to somebody who really didn't have any yeah. awareness of these figures how the film played but for me it's like a no-brainer i get into these characters like i said ma rainey it's a little bit more i got to reach back and kind of imagine this pe- this is a period that feels recent enough where i i can tap right into it and i i enjoyed it a lot i mean it was uh impressive and for a first uh directorial effort pretty 
on feature feature length i think that's pretty impressive i um <clears throat> i watched the entire uh sunny liston fight today oh right really no kidding all the ollie liston fight i watched the whole thing yeah. or K- clay uh, liston fight yeah clay liston fight it is not mama call up cash is that call up cash coming to is, america coming soon. <laughs> that's true it is coming soon. Uh, it is not it didn't quite go down the way it's portrayed in this film mm-hmm. uh, uh Cassius gets beat up a bit more than they would lead you to believe. Okay, uh, he wouldn't have been so pretty that night. I, I I don't think I don't think he had any big cuts or anything okay. like that. But in like round four or so, Listen starts really getting some pretty big shots in, <laughs> and and you can see you can see some of the pep come out of Cassius's step a little bit, and uh-huh. he's not quite ducking and dodging the way that he was in the first couple rounds and then they even like grapple a little bit you know he's mm-hmm. like having to try to try to ward him off uh because you can tell he's starting to kind of kind of lose it a little bit but then you know he starts getting his hits back in again and 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 then after that ollie or Cassius kind of comes back the way that they kind of show it in the film a little bit um and then it ends the way that it is that they're in the corner tending to to Sonny Liston's wounds around his eyes, and then Cassius starts jumping up and down, and because he because he feels like he's getting close, you know, and then then he realizes that they're not going to let him go back out again, and he starts doing the. <laughs> and he starts, and, I mean, he he does get really close to Liston's corner whenever he's celebrating. Oh, yeah. He gets like right next to his his trainers and is like dancing around, like you know, without yeah. without actually getting in oh, his funny. face. He's I'll about as to, close I'll as he can. Watch that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's on YouTube. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, all, all these, I bet there there's so many great... Aaron does not like... Anyway, that, that's a rabbit <laughs> hole. We'll talk about that after hours. I do not watch boxing at home very often. <laughs> Bottom line. I've got really my phone know. up and I'm taking notes for after hours. Uh-huh. And I just wrote, are y'all boxing fans? Oh, okay. <laughs> that'll, that'll be a fun <laughs> conversation. Well, so what do you think about... So it seemed like we all like the film. The beer. I mean, this went down really, really easily for me. Um, I'm already on to past one can. Melvin's so. Jesus Mexican style lager 5.0 is our 50th state represented on the beer and movies march across America. I agree. Very drinkable. I mean, especially remember last week's episode if we started with 11.5 upgraded to a 12.5 <laughs> yeah this is a nice change of pace we're, ta- we're taking it easy on ourselves yeah and it's a nice new sessionable i uh you tried to you opened you i i bought a six pack i just gave each of y'all two i'm gonna take you know whatever so we, we each get one carlos when you opened the second beer i just got confused that's like, i don't know he's taking his second beer and we're just gonna more. drink just, a little bit more yeah yeah because yeah. yeah, we all our glasses were empty they were we should have two just to catch up to the eleven point five. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there yeah, you go. There you go. Last week, um, Mexican beers, the the, the mass produced ones. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in a pinch and you go for the Corona. First of all, my favorite is the Negro Modelo. If we're gonna have that conversation, I, I will agree with that. Although I wouldn't compare. This would be no, that's a dark lock. More like the regular Mod- Modelo Especial, sure. right? Modelo Especial, which is my go-to tall boy. Uh, I, I think that this would go head-to-head with any of the mass-produced Mexican beers you're going to find at the pizza joint. I think you know? it's a step above. I, I agree. I was going to say, this can go head-to-head. Sure. And you can tell there's a lot more finesse in this smaller batch than the big boys are making, yes. which is the case for craft beer 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I, I enjoyed this, and if if now that I know that it's down the street, I might go pick up another six-pack for when I'm looking for something sessionable on a hot, hot day. Yeah, I definitely have been kind of falling into that um you know i don't know just i i don't know if they're just more 
present than usual or if I'm subconsciously uh, Joe Hilliarding my beer buying habits and going for stouts because it's winter time mm-hmm. uh, but it but it has you missed my point but it has no i'm saying it, it has occurred recently where like i've ha- like i'll 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 have a beer or i'll have a fridge full of beer but still want to go to the store for something lighter because it's all stouts in my uh, fridge it's all stouts and dark beers and this is something that you know now that i know about uh and i know that it's attainable i would definitely if if i found myself looking in my fridge and seeing only 12 percent pastry stouts yeah and not really feeling that vibe i'd be like oh maybe i need to go pick up some jesus the quickest audit of what your stash is when a friend comes over yeah it's like oh uh um Especially a non-craft beer. Friend. I've got nothing under a thirteen percent ABV. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you want to get blitzed? <laughs> okay, so you're looking for a single-digit ABV. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, hey, I, I, I have a bottle of Petit of Prince Melvin in my Jesus. fridge right now, two point two. So you, you know that's, that's a bottle of what, what I talked over. You sorry, Petit Prince, mm. the the Jester uh, King. King, which we can get here now, which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, a um, lot of different places now too. It's true. Not it's just up. not just one purveyor, but it's no, kind of it's everywhere around, now. It's around. Uh, but Which I think this, start. Is, this is a great Mexican lager. It, For me, it's a good job. Personally, Mexican lagers are never going to be my first choice with lagers. 100% agree with you. But. I think for those who like Mexican lagers, mm-hmm. this is fantastic. And I could certainly drink a six pack of this really easily. Sure. Yeah. I agreed. I, I've enjoyed it. Um, not a uh not a show-stopping introduction into the 50th state it wasn't a uh triple pastry no but but it's also not putting itself right yes it's not trying to be it's not trying to be crazy it's not you know gonna blow up in our pantries or whatever uh but a very very solid end of the road to for the 50 for all 50 states Yeah. yeah and hopefully now what do we do there are more challenges out there. Uh, every Scorsese film. Uh, every no we'll tackle Nick Cage's entire filmography. Oh, God, there's oh, more. God. There's more of those than there are beers. To try that's to that's very true. All right. Well, we're gonna uh, take a little break here, pause, mm-hmm. and when we come back, Joe's already teed us up. We're gonna be watching uh, and talking about Regina King's uh, a wa- <laughs> Academy Award-winning performance in If Beale Street Could Talk. And we'll also crack a beer when we get back. Oh, are we back? Okay. And we're back. And we're back. (laughs) All right. And we're back? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> oh, okay. And and indeed we are. We're going to crack into another beer here. This is a, a return to a brewery that we visited not that long ago, because I know we were talking about this name. It might have been After Hours, though, so I, I don't want to attest to it being on one of the main episodes. But this is Modest Brewing out of, or Modest. Modest, Modest sorry. No, they, they were on the show. Yeah, okay. I... I 
I'll look it up in a second. Out of Minneapolis, uh, we've been already talked Minnesota tonight. I guess we should have done that for the Dylan segment, uh, but ah, it, you know we fucked it up. Yeah, but but this has some other tie-ins. I mean, this is a beer that they've made recently called No Safe Point. It is a double dry hopped New England IPA. They did it in collaboration with friends of the program. Run the jewels. Run the jewels. <laughs> we, we listen back to episode thirty-four where we had LP uh, do, doing. No, he has never been on the show. <laughs> he will be but one day, though. LP, if you're listening, Killer oh Mike. My God, Killer Mike. I feel like that's. I don't know. LP, I feel like would talk to us. Killer Mike. I don't even think I could speak a word to. I think <laughs> would, he would. He. I mean, he does seem like a very nice man, and he would oh, indulge us. But I would be too intimidated. I would, yeah, I wouldn't know what to say. You know, to go back to last week's episode. Um, LP falls into the Christopher Nolan territory for me, where where when I'm listening to it, to any of his productions, I'm like, how the fuck is he doing this? Uh, like they're so big and they're so aggressive and it's so like larger than life. The way and then also like, minimalist, so, like not over yeah, the top. He, that's like, why it's so and, like. Yeah. That's why it freaks me out. So like I'm listening to Sorry, it. And I'm like, we, I should. I should fanboys are gonna. <laughs> I should, I should be I should be able to mimic this or at least kind of graze it. Yeah. But then when you try, you're just like, what? How is this? How is he? How is there? How is it so simple yet yeah. so full and huge? It's like I have all time. the ingredients, but then I go to a good bakery and they have the same ingredients, but can yeah. make and a stellar confection yeah. for me. That's exactly what it's like. I know it's what like, you mean. It's like it's like that show nailed it. That Nicole Byer <laughs> yes, host. Right. It's exactly Absolutely. like that. yeah. Like come, on. but you're you're a little better than most nailed it cooks though. I'll get, <laughs> I I, I, you you have some beats know. out there that hey, right back, folks. I mean, it's Modest still available. Had on that the, uh, big beautiful guava on the yes, the guava. That was just a couple yeah. episodes yeah, ago when we that's uh, right when we did okay. uh, we, we it paired with never rarely sometimes always but oh, yeah. but. As is the case in beer and a movie lore here, there are these micro serendipitous moments. That's the same episode where we did Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm. See? Wow, look Look at that. that. The circle. circle. Or or Carlo. All right. Okay. So this this movie. Oh, hold on. No, beer, right? We're sniffing it and stuff? Uh, it, no, I think it we should. Fantastic. I mean, it is super juicy on the nose. Oh, yeah. Getting, I mean, boy, I love it when something says it's double dry hopped and I can smell it and I'm like, yeah. I would have guessed that it was double dry hopped. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do a collaboration beer with Run the Jewels, you got to nail it. better be it. dank. You got to nail it. And it, I, I feel like they're going to have nailed dank. this. I, I can't wait to get in and actually taste it, but pouring. 6.8, I mean, not bad. Right in there, right where you want. Run the jewels dot beer. If you want to go to, I wish I was at a run Uh, the jewels show drinking this. Same. Uh, I don't think we mentioned it. Uh, Double dry hopped with Maris or Maris Otter Cryo Sabro. Oh no, that's it's just hopped with those, and then it's double dry hopped with Strata Citra Mosaic Cryo Citra and Cryo Mosaic. That's a big bad hot bill. It sure is. Uh, That is a lot of words. Yeah. (laughs) Um, oh. so the movie we're talking about, uh, Barry Jenkins of Moonlight fame. That's uh, right. Academy Award winning Barry Jenkins. Uh, in a film that garnered some awards right here. Yeah. Or t- an award, at least at, at the least. Academy Awards, but some other, uh, around. But yeah, yeah so 2018. F- two years after Moonlight. Right. Yeah. If Beale Street could talk. Yeah. So th- this is based on a novel by James Baldwin. 
And, you know, at its center, we have a couple. We have uh, Fawny, uh, although his, his actual name, Alonzo, but, Alfonso. but referred to... Oh, I thought it was Alonzo. I think it's Alfonso. Okay. I could but be right. I guess everybody that's where comes from. That would, that would make sense. Everybody calls him Fawny. And then Tish. I thought it was Great Gone. No, though. you're right. It is Alonzo. Y- so young, youngish, you know, like she's 19, he's 22. They, yeah. they've, they've sort of known each other forever, grew up together. Grew up on Beale have, Street. Have developed a romantic uh, entanglement. And amidst that, there is a false accusation made that lands Fonny in jail. And we see this all play out with their families heavily involved because, again, these are relatively young and he's in jail and being held waiting trial on a charge that seems very trumped up but there's this desperate hope that they're maybe going to be able to get it uh get get him acquitted on the basis of the person who's claiming that he had and this is a rape charge he had raped her uh seems also aware they hope that she's aware that she's not name the right person. Now I'm getting it. So it's kind of, there's a legal drama aspect to it. There's a melodramatic sort of family drama, which I would say is the overriding thing here. But it's also very much about race and that, you know, part of what has Fani as a target is obviously his race and this uh, interactions that he's had with this police officer and, uh, and all that goes into that. And we should mention that she's pregnant. She, she learns that one of the after major his, complicating factors yeah, after right. his, uh, after he goes to jail. Yeah. Yes, she yeah. realizes right. she's pregnant after he's already in and tells him while sure. he's awaiting trial. Yes. And there's a little bit of non-linear play here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it mostly plays out linearly, but uh, there is some flashback and flash forward, which I thought was kind of an interesting way to almost add some spice to the story, which is otherwise, to me, pretty straightforward. Yeah, it was. It was yes, I, I agree. It was sort of interesting to see the way that it was positioned where the primary storyline is her dealing with this pregnancy and how the families are reacting to it. But we keep flashing back to where their love affair, their yeah. right. Just coming together and having these experiences together. And the, the, yeah. So, so we're kind of seeing that interspersed throughout to kind of clue us into the depth yeah. of their relationship and how they went together. But this was a film. I remember it coming out. Is this your first time to see it? It was mine too, and it's well, been on my list ever since. Well, it, it came never. Out, I don't think it, it ever played of, here in the theater. I think it did for like four or five days. Okay, yeah, I think so. It had a very limited run, but it was it was something where I didn't know it was here when it was here. If it was here, and I've meant to follow up and watch yeah, it me since, too. but I have not it's been got on my list forever. I'm glad I kind of finally got to cross it off. Well, the, absolutely, and especially because going into it, Barry Jenkins loved Moonlight. Even like Medicine for Melancholy, which was kind of a smaller film that he made back in the 2000s. Uh, I have not seen that. Yeah, it's, it's worth checking out. It's, it's definitely a, a smaller film and uh, cheap, more cheaply made, but, but, but interesting nonetheless. The, but Moonlight totally nailed it. Moonlight, incredible film. I'm, you know, we'll, we'll cover it at some point, sure. maybe pair it with something. Yeah. But Seeing what, what he would follow it up with, James Baldwin, an author who I'm not as familiar with as I should be, but who I've, the James Baldwin, I Am Not Your Negro documentary, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. Fantastic. Uh, you know, takes his writings, sort of recontextualizes them with footage from the era, but also clips interspersed of him, Samuel L. Jackson reading his writing. It's a really interesting documentary. So I was fascinated, like, I want to know more about the stories this guy told. I want to see Barry Jenkins doing it. And the cast, from what I knew, Regina King being part of that, 
um, were people who I respected and I had seen, you know, who the ones who I knew their work. I was excited to see what they would do with it. So it's sad that it's taken me this long to to get right. around to it, I guess is, is what I'd say. And so when, when it came up that we were thinking about doing One Night in Miami and Regina King, you know, her feature directorial debut, it seemed only appropriate. Let's make this the opportunity that we have to sort of dive into this film that I think it feels like it kind of got buried there that year, right? This um, I, Was this the year that uh, Roma won the Oscar? It oh, would have question. been, yes. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that pre, that's the pre I mean, we were doing Parasite. We, by we, one were, year. we were operating. We, uh-huh. we were watching these films. And I remember, I, and I remember even feeling it at the time. I was surprised that this film kind of got buried. You know what I mean? It, 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 it won an Oscar. Uh-huh. I mean, it, no, it, we, this is the year Green Book won. Oh, Oof. even worse. Wow. Even worse. Alfonso wow. Cuaron won Best Director for Roma. Oh, yeah. But Green okay. Book won Best Picture. Mm. It won over Black Panther, Black Panther. I Lansman. had blocked that out. This, this was the <laughs> devastating year of Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody. Oh. Uh, the Favorite was that year. Uh, a star is born and vice shit yeah well this but this was the shit okay Okay. i'm i'm putting it right out there this is a beautiful fucking film the the cinematography here i mean just on a visual level right almost from the get-go the the uh the production design the costuming everything just it looks like postcard perfect but not in like a cookie cutter like you know perfect Wes Anderson. <laughs> it's it's not like that, but it just gorgeously well put together, awesome color palettes. Um, when they're together and and like their relationship is building and everything, like very warm and very you know like just it it feels um so so love that the music Nicholas Bertel, who I've liked his scores before. This one worked for me, intense hammering home like the the kind of multi-layered emotions of these scenes what that you're smirking you hate the you hate the music you keep going <laughs> and and i and i think you know in 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 the story itself i yeah. mean so i think you you put all that together in a package and to me this i'm surprised this film didn't get more praise than it did or more attention than it did i should say i think it well, was widely praised but it's difficult to be in our society where we pigeonhole things into so many categories. Uh, a, a, a black film trying to compete in the shadow of the, the awesome film Green Book that came out the same year. <laughs> uh, here's Another my my film. biggest issue. I agree with a lot of what you said, David. It is a beautiful film. It is beautifully shot. The cinematographer and director chose more. They chose points and scenes that they put more care into the cinematography like when he's walking around that sculpture yeah it looks very you know um then otherwise it's it's more of a straightforward kind of thing but it's beautifully shot uh, to me the star of the show it, regina king did a fine job we can probably talk about that in just a second but is the lead i don't have her name in front of me uh tish right kiki lane fantastic amazing R- amazing performance and uh, as an unknown, I imagine we'll see more of her, I hope, uh, mm-hmm. in the future. To me, the biggest part of the problem with the film, which was otherwise beautiful and fantastic, and should She's going to be, be in Coming to America, so you'll should definitely be see seeing, her. Oh, 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 clearly this is becoming my most anticipated film of 2021 <laughs> somehow. The vignette approach of it, they're mm-hmm. tackling so much, and I believe 
that it's probably, and I don't know this to be true because I haven't read the book, and the book comes with a large enough pedigree to where we can't make a lot of changes to it because the the reader, yeah, right, the, right, right. the fans of the book, we, we want to make everybody happy. Um, it's. I would imagine the flash forward, flash back might be in the book. Otherwise, it's just a device used to tie together vignettes. The vignette of her going to Puerto Rico. The vignette of them making love for the first time. The vignette of, you know, there's not a lot of through, um, a through line of narrative, and there is. Well, I mean, you could, I could tell it to you. Uh, here though to make the the whole be elevated from the the little the parts now let's if you look at the parts regina king deserving of the the oscar win i'd have mm-hmm. to look at her competition i don't remember the field yeah. i can um, tell you um amy adams as lynn cheney and vice no <laughs> um Marina de Tavira who played Sophia in Roma and then Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz from The Favorite. Who won? Regina Regina King. King. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was I mean, no, fine. I mean I mean she was beautiful <laughs> I, and I would, good. The 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 what should what I would pick her over the uh, Which the hair should I do? My I, natural hair or the wig when I meet this woman that I yeah. need to meet in Puerto Rico? The um but the tour de force scene, the best scene in the entire film, is when Fonny, Fonny, in mm-hmm. prison, his parents come to her parents' house where they can tell yeah. his parents that their daughter is pregnant, that she's mm-hmm. pregnant. Which is like within the first 30 minutes. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful, amazing scene that even if you just pick it up, should win short film of the year maybe it's a good scene it's it's just gorgeous two conflicting parenting (laughs) viewpoints straight up fuck (laughs) fuck fonny's mom and those two girls oh that was her daughters that was fuck those i was interested because that became less of a part of the film that i thought it it was ultimately going to be because it it was early enough Mm -hmm. where it felt like oh this could be the big conflict that's it, it gonna... sets up that she's gonna have to work to get her the the, the son-in-law out of prison yeah maybe rather right, than the right. mom the pit, she can't rely on that but yeah. other than that you're right it was just like a flash of mm. thing that led nowhere at all well because i yeah. wanted the mom to get her come up in s'more so that that's okay yeah, you yeah. never hear from them again yo this movie's bad what go ahead this movie's bad i want to hear it <laughs> the score is Terrible. Oh shit. no! It it is. So, this movie is wow. after school special. Mm. Like, put it on because David, your history wow. teacher doesn't want to teach that day. David like music. Freedom Riders level right. fucking nonsense. It what? It's, Freedom Riders level nonsense. The, uh, the reason I compare it to that movie is because it's a it's a film that's trying to tackle some like serious subject matter, but uh-huh. does it in such a toothless way that it's something that a high school Ooh. teacher would show you on a day off from like actual curriculum. It is bad okay okay well the, the back this up somehow i mean come on the hey, i'm just toothless. gonna i'm just gonna what, pour what, myself some more beer and watch the show go what's ahead the toothlessness so so we're talking about like some pretty intense subject matter and uh-huh. and look we talk about 
the order in which we drink beers and how, you know, if we have something super crazy, punchy flavor wise, and we drink something lighter afterwards, it can fuck our palates up. And that very possibly has happened to me because we have watched Mangrove and then we've watched Mm. this and they deal with very similar subject matter. They deal with the justice system and the police department treating a certain class of people, right. both black people in this situation in different countries, unfairly and targeting them and things like that. And Mangrove does it in such a visceral way, in such a way that puts you in the position of the people who are having the injustice done to them in a, in, in, in a way where you... I mean, it happened to me. We talked about it on the episode. You're so fucking angry for them. Like, and you're like, how the fuck can these fucking people do this? And and what's craziest about it is that in this movie, they cast Officer Bell so well. They could not have picked a more hateable face than Ed <laughs> Screen and the way, or Scrine, or however you say his yeah, name. Yeah, and, yeah. and then the way they costumed him and did his like hair and makeup. And oh, everything. I agree. He's terrible. But, but he's barely fucking in the movie. Well, he's a prop. And you barely see him interact with Fonny. You hardly see any of this stuff happen at all. And basically. So you have a movie that starts off and it's about a couple who are clearly going to have some hardship done to them. Uh, and then you find out that Fonny's in jail and then you find out that as soon as he's in jail, she finds out she's pregnant. And then you have this great scene where she tells her, her or mm-hmm. his parents and it's, a huge moment of conflict it's very intense like Mm -hmm. the two families clashing it's also a very real conversation yeah put on screen well and it gets so intense i mean fawny's dad hits his mom yeah and storms off and then and then her dad has to go out and follow him because his presence there isn't going to do any good and he has to go calm him down and then uh, regina king's character is trying to i mean she does everything that she can to Alice to make her feel comfortable to like whatever. And Alice is just being such a fucking cunt to her and like cursing their, her grandchild and like being just a, so fucked up in the situation that finally Regina King and her eldest daughter turn on her. And there's this very huge intense moment of conflict. And then you never get anything that comes even close to that again. Everything after that is so boring and so calm and so just like nothing after that. Hmm. I mean, so, okay, so so then after that, and I'm probably not going to get the chronology totally right, but after that, you know, we find out why Fonny's in there uh, at a certain point, you know. Right, uh, that's not revealed at the top. You're it's, right. It's, yeah. Why Fonny is there is not revealed at the top, but they're, but, they're trying yeah. to unwrap a puzzle to the audience. Yeah, yeah, but so you're getting Tish going to see Fonny, yeah, and talking through the glass and stuff like that, and um, you know, we know that it's hard for Fonny in jail, but, but in prison or we whatever. Don't really. It's, well, I mean, it's he's kind a of, prop. It's kind of mentioned that it's hard for him, uh-huh. and then the I but the most, lip the most, yeah, exactly. The most we ever get out of that mm-hmm. is he shows up with some cuts and bruises on his face, and that's it. Yeah. So the movie is not about what the system is doing to him. So then, no, it's more about Tish. So I mean, okay, okay, exactly. So then it's about what it's doing to her. And we see her talk. We see her talking to her parents a little bit, and talking to him about how they're going to get the money. And he's kind of like a little, 
intense towards her and he kind of blows up on her a little bit but then apologizes and then uh, you know we see frank and um uh frank is fonny's dad and mm-hmm. uh and joseph who is tish's dad uh talk about the hustle that they're gonna have to do to get the money and they don't really trust the white lawyer at first but then we find out that in a very quick like three minute scene that he's come around to their cause because he didn't realize that the pushback he was going to get for representing a black person but we really don't dive into that and then they're getting the money and she goes to talk to victoria in puerto rico and we get a scene of that that's very intense where she makes questions she makes decisions that no woman would probably make in that scenario of like touching forcefully this person regardless of whether you've experienced what victoria has experienced well, or not. i didn't and, read and, and, i didn't and, read and it maybe, that way and maybe I, I, at the, and maybe she at the time barely touched her i think mm, it was trying I to disagree. be a consolation i think okay but the very fact that you and i can can see that differently in that moment it's totally believable to me that she and 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 those are the two best scenes is that scene in puerto rico and the scene with fine fans okay so okay and so hold on this one for a little bit longer no 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 because 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 there's one because if it's not about if it's not about what the system is doing to Fani, and it's not about necessarily how hard it is for their family, because we get that a little bit, but we don't really get that deep into it. We get montages of them stealing from places. Then it's got to be what it's going to do to Tish and the family. But then we see the baby born, and then we see the baby like eight or the kid like eight years old, and we see him in like in visitation with Fani, and just kind of like, oh yeah, I miss my dad. And then that's it. We get so many little glimpses into the way that this is affecting people, but never surface, never, never past surface level. I know, I know that, I know that, I know intellectually. I'm about about to have to call time. Hold on. I know, I know intellectually that the justice system discriminating against different groups of people has a ripple effect on all of their relationships and their family, right? I know that. And Uh this movie tells me that, but it doesn't show me that. It tells me that. No, it never no. gets yeah, you, you very lost me, intense. Buddy. You lost. No, it's, you. No, 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 no. No, there is so much more depth to this film than you're giving it credit for. <laughs> it's isn't. not the. It's not the depth that you want, but it's depth. You are critiquing it because you want it to be this film that exposes the evil of the system. That's not what this story is. It's not about. Uh, telling us white folk what we need to do with our lives. It's not telling us how we need to dismantle the system. Well, but okay. But I could say if I wanted to be really disingenuous, which I wouldn't be because I love the film, but if I wanted to be really disingenuous about Mangrove, I could say, well, come on. It's like just, it's showing the white guilt viewer that they need to feel bad for the system that they're propping up and that they need to dismantle it. It's like, it's it's on the nose. It's a user's manual that's telling you your system is evil and systemically racist and you need to fucking get it fixed. I think that's important. I don't think, I don't feel that cynically about it. But what I don't want us to do is the ver- reverse on this film, where this film I think is trying to do something much more subtle about the, those ripple effects that you're talking about, but not in big, huge sine waves that we feel them like shaking the core. We get moments where, the, where there are those outbursts, but instead we're seeing the subtlety and how these people actually have to live through these experiences and persevere and not succumb to them and not let it become the, bo- the pot boiling over and not let it... This is like the quiet desperation that people live in I think on a much more regular basis that you're seeing portrayed in beautiful style 
with that palette that they're working with cinema- cinematographically. And I think the music is totally great. I'm, I'm surprised that you are <laughs> I, so uh, against this music. It was but so th- cheesy and melodramatic, the music. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think, I think that it is showing like the way that people have to like realistically live with it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think that it spends too much time showing us Tish and Fani falling in love. And like the sex scene unnecessary, both sex scenes, absolutely unnecessary. We absolutely do not need that. She's pregnant. We fucking get it. Right. And, 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 I think and there's wants us to feel some genuine joy for these characters in moments while also feeling desperation and pain, I think it I just wants don't a mix think of it, emotions. I just don't think it. It just didn't accomplish that for me. I just, okay. I, I felt like, I felt like it never got deep enough into anything that it was trying to say for me to really emotionally connect and resonate. Well, look at it this with, way. I think with with a film like Mangrove, you have a steady emotional build that kind of gets you to that court scene that eventually becomes really like you get those right. moments and, where and this one's boom. No, and I think think this one is much more like middle grade. Like it's just you're in these moments and there's there's love, there's joy, there's celebration, there's desperation, there's hurt, there's really tense moment for but then they go by and then they move. I don't know. I feel like this is trying to capture more the rhythms of life. It's just too disjointed for me. Great scenes that don't have a narrative throughput that elevates it to a great film. There's a, there's a, I, there's a way that maybe gosh, it could I be really done. disagree I with with you guys. It's, I think this is a great film. The I think it's sad that it didn't get the recognition. I think it should have been seen by more people. The first sex scene was necessary. The second sex scene was not. I I disagree about both. I didn't need either. I I, I love I love that scene with it, uh with with uh, uh Fonny and uh the Brian Tyree Henry character. That scene is very good. It, Hit, well, Brian the, Tyree Henry that, being there that, is very good. That had room to breathe and it's just these two guys connecting and talking about this experience and and you see the the gears turning in his head and it's this life that he's going to have to live himself shortly after. I don't know. It, there was it I has, think such it, richness when you said there was no depth there. That's what kills me is like I feel like this film was as deep as it gets in some moments. But see, that's the thing, in some moments. moments, And and my my critique of it not having depth is in the entirety of it. Mm. Like, you can, I mean, there are some albums that have three or four great, amazing songs on it, but the track list is 12 songs, and the other eight songs are totally forgettable. And I think this is one of those albums that has some chart-topping hits on it, Uh and then a bunch of filler yeah you're right and so for me cohesively as a piece it doesn't get where it needs (sighs) to go it has some great moments but it has a lot of filler i think i think the music is terrible i'm leaning toward music aside i'm leaning towards carlos wyoming what have you done to us <laughs> Run oh, the jewels. This is as split as we've <laughs> been in a while. I yeah, I I I'm I yeah, anyway. I, all right. I well, I put I I put this I was having a really hard time going to sleep last night and I put this movie on. I was out in 15 minutes. I woke up this yeah, morning. You know that's no that's no that's just I, assessment of anything. That's just I, pulling a Cooper. I, <laughs> yeah, I woke up this morning to watch it and I I you know, when Kylie asked what movies we were doing, I said we're doing a one night in Miami. Uh-huh. Uh, we were. Oh, that's a good question for. We were. We were out walking the dog. 
Mm-hmm. I said, we're doing one night in Miami and at Beale Street could talk. And she was like, I don't think I'm familiar with it, with, with either of those. And I said, well, I told her what one night in Miami was and mm-hmm. that it just recently came out. She's like, Oh, okay. Now I remember I have heard of this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and then I explained if Beale Street could talk and I gave her the rundown of what it was about who did it when it came out that it didn't really play here, but it had some Oscar attention and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. She's like, I think I want to see both of those movies. And I was like, yeah, I'm really excited to see if Beale Street could talk. Like I should have seen it already. Mm-hmm. And I loved Moonlight when I saw it in mm-hmm. theaters. And when it was getting the Oscar buzz, I was bummed that we hadn't got it. And I really wish that I would have seen it. And now I'm rethinking if Moonlight is a good movie because oh, I haven't no. seen it since it came oh, out. Come on, and, and right, now, open another beer. I'm just and gonna now, sit back and, and watch the show. And now I'm thinking if no. if if this is how I felt about this one, if I go back Ooh. and rewatch Moonlight, am I gonna be? Am I gonna rethink my assessment of it? I loved that movie when it came yeah. out. Yeah. So I don't know. You are a very binary critic. Yeah. <laughs> it's up or down, and so. Um, and for the most part it's not being critical it's just an observation that i've had like I, I where i depart from your review of this film and then we should probably move to the beer is that it was bad now you've listed too many things that were good about it for it to call it a bad movie that's fair i, I say bad because i was so disappointed right i had such high hopes for it right but this is not i don't think one that bad. gets You're a recommendation right. like you gotta see this movie not for me. I yes, would say you got to see, see One Night in Miami, you know. Yeah, I would agree. David, I... Uh, I mean, honestly, if I... Should we even let David talk about this here? Because, I mean... <laughs> ooh, he's I'll just... I'll, I'll, one last thing. That comparison you just made, I would say, absolutely, you have to see if Beale Street could talk. One Night in Miami, please see it if you get the chance. But you don't I think have to. You don't have to. You, you don't have, have to. to. Okay. You don't have to. Of these two, the more must-see, put-it-in-your-filmography yeah. of experience, Bill Street. I think so. I, uh, hmm. And, okay, so it... Uh, I don't know. There, there are a lot of bad movies that I implore people to see all the time, Gigli being at the top of the list. Uh, so I... I but, but I... I will uh, admit what Joe said is accurate that I have said too many good things about it to say it's bad. It's not bad. I was just so overwhelmingly underwhelmed by it. Mm. Um, but if somebody told me, I've never seen if Beale Street could talk, but I heard somebody talking about it the other day and they were saying good things about it. Mm-hmm. Should I watch it? I would say yes. I would say go ahead, give it a go. Say it's not like. If somebody was like, "Oh, I've never seen, I've never seen Billy Madison," should I see it? I'd just be like, "Oh, it doesn't matter, whatever." But this movie, I would say, like, go ahead, watch it, give it a go. All you right. know, of all, all right. the movies, all right. you could have well, plucked one, we, Billy Madison. We move the. I'm trying to stir the pot. All right. so, so no, no save, save point. point. No save point. Modest, which we've done just recently. Yeah, and um, run the jewels in collaboration. And uh, a double triop New England IPA that we were talking about, even just from the way it smelled, that we were thinking it was going to be a really wonderful New England IPA, and I I think it was a pretty wonderful New England IPA. I I enjoyed that a lot as we were as much as I was hating the discussion we just had, <laughs> I was enjoying the beer. They. Put every hop that I've ever heard of listed on the can. <laughs> they of put the hops of them, that they've yeah. introduced. I mean, this is. But a it doesn't feel muddled. Forward. It's not like it's a 
I was going to say it's a very hop forward yeah. beer. They're putting it out there and they want you to know it. Any t- any double dry hopped is going to be that way if it's done accurately, in my opinion. Go with gusto or don't go at all. <laughs> and these guys did and they tried. Go and, deep or don't go at all, I mean, this Barry is, Jenkins. Th- this is a success. Uh, when I'm looking for an IPA that's got a lot of hop flavor and a lot of hot character, this is certainly going to check the box yeah yeah it's fun i wish i wish i knew more i should have looked uh about what what the specific goal of the collaboration like the no save point i mean i know that's a video gaming reference here you know like what they were thinking if they were trying to tie that into the recipe somehow but without knowing anything Mm -hmm. i would enjoy this ipa Mm -hmm. the fact that it's a collaboration between a brewery i like and a in a band that i love all the better yeah that's that's some gimmicky fun absolutely oh yeah are, y'all, are you guys okay <laughs> are we gonna be we'll all... find out after hours okay are y- are y'all all right i think we'll make it okay I think we'll make it. Yeah. Uh, you know i don't know i am who i am i <laughs> I, I enjoyed the programming this week and uh um, yeah the same i look forward to it you mentioned uh when you talked to your significant other your better half about when she asked you what what are the movies calm down with the better half part i'm pretty great what are the movies this (laughs) so pretty because that's the question i get in my house too what are the movies this week yeah and sometimes i get a i'd love to watch that with you Mm -hmm. and sometimes i get a go over there and watch that by yourself yeah and um i was excited about these and i was glad to have checked beale street off the list and i would suggest that people might want to to see it to to round out their 2018, but David, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a fight if you're putting this on your top five of 2018. I know you're not. Are we going retroactive, retrospective? I, I, I'd have to look. I do. I'd you don't. To, no, I, I uh, don't. Okay. I don't. Yeah. I, I I don't think I do either. Um, would you retroactively put it on your top of 2018 list? Uh, is one night in Miami making your top five, ten, twenty of uh, 2020? How do you feel about Run the Jewels? Let us know. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie TX, uh, Beer and a Movie Podcast.com. You can find a listen to, or you can find a link to listen to all of our past episodes absolutely for free. And we have hinted at it a couple of times in this episode so far, but we have an after hours episode that takes place every single week. That is a bonus episode every single week. Patreon.com slash beer in a movie podcast. It's only $5 a month and you get that bonus episode every single week. You can donate less if you like, but you won't get the bonus episode and you can donate more if you really got to like that. I just want to, you know, really flex on us. Uh, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. That way, anytime someone searches beer podcast or movie podcast, we are the first that pops up. It really helps us out a great deal. Um, maybe I'll read uh, your review on the show. Maybe I will review your review on the show. <laughs> it very well could happen. Um, but this has been another outstanding yet controversial episode of Beer in the Movie. <laughs> Until next time. Well, I should be in movies too then. Damn, I'm too pretty not to be up on screen.